many fish shows have you been to? Actually, I've, I've been in three fish shows. Because I hate fish. You hate fish? Yeah. Why? I don't know. You, you don't like the music very much? It's, it's a noodling type thing, you know? It's, it's kind of noodling around and stuff, you know? Trey is a one note. I wheeled around because I didn't hear what you had said and saw you dancing with a lady on my only bed. And I was foggy, rather groggy. You helped me to my car. The binding belt enclosing me, a sample in a jar. Okay. Why have a question? What was the stupid thing? What was like the first stupid job you wanted to have growing up? Like not back when you were like in kindergarten, you didn't understand what a career was. Sure. Or like, you know, the difference between your passions, your motivation, your hobby, your this, your that. Like what what you pursue. Uh, what was your first thing? You're like, I want to do this. Or the first one you remember. Okay, but well, I got to clarify too. Are we going back that far to being a child? Oh, like the first time? I think, yeah, the first, yeah. What was the, like, you're like, I want to be a dog catcher. And then you realized it wasn't 1964 and that wasn't a thing. Um, I definitely wanted to be a big cat veterinarian. Oh, okay. Was the one I remember. You I had, a, I had a, a fairly realistic, dare say, attainable one. So mine's not very funny. You know <laughs> you what? Want, you wanted to end up a Netflix special. That's what you wanted. You know, I didn't know that I rescue. wanted that at the time. <laughs> just <laughs> fucking. You just have it's, there's a there's a universe somewhere where you're down in Florida at a big cat ranch with just frosted tips, just blonde highlights in a rhinestone prison uniform. Oh yeah, you're in that dude. Uh, just living it up. I will never financially recover from this. Jean jackets all over the place. I think I'm finally at the point in my life where I'm secure enough in myself to wear a jean jacket with a fur collar. Oh, that guy is so cool. Please call her. Yeah, dude. Florida U is awesome. Absolutely. If you look at Florida Me, it's just all meth. <laughs> like yeah. you can't. Florida U has been dead for nine yeah. years. Florida Me got written up very unfavorably in the local papers. <laughs> I'll show them all. Cut to me just dead in a body. Floating face down, yeah. The gator just comes and snaps up what's left of me, and that was it. That was it. That's all. That's hey. all. So, yeah, you want to be a big cat veterinarian? Oh, yeah. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Did, what, so what broke the spell of that? Uh, working for an actual veterinarian. At what age? I was 11. Okay, that's not very cool of the people that you worked with or your parents for doing that to you at 11. Because well. vets just put down a lot of animals. Well, Rory, I don't want to spoil anything, but I saw a lot of animals die that summer. Yeah. Okay, let me g just give some backstory. So it's a who's a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. And he's an intense dude, but he's not intense, like angry intense, like serial killer quiet. Okay. He's also, uh, he's just bless his heart, pensive. but he's also cockeyed, which I know is not politically correct. I don't know what you would call that. He has like a lazy eye. So they're like completely different directions. So he'll just fix on you with the one, like a bird of prey. So in astigmatism, we'll say, I don't know. That's not it. <laughs> sure. That's not it at all. To avoid trouble. <laughs> hey, he's a lovely guy. But also, I've absolutely watched him. Came up. This is the guy. Yeah, he was the assassin. He was the dog assassin. Jesus Christ! What is wrong with these people? My God. Yeah. That's and so this is the person you worked under. This is yes. This, this sage of of the veterinary world. Here's the thing. He was a really good veterinarian. Hmm. Ran out of medicine for today. He says, "Kunk, this'll do." Just well, takes out, yeah, just pistol whips listen, a cat to death. Listen, you being like, this guy, listen, let me tell you, he was actually really good at his job. Very effective. I go, I believe you. Clinical, clean, efficient. Oh my God. If you can find him, you can hire him. No, that, to be fair to him, to be fair, fair. in a professional capacity, he never did that shit. Like, he <laughs> wasn't at his office being like, I'll bill your insurance listen, to shoot your cat I in the head. I don't want to bring my gerbil to this guy knowing what he does with his weekends, though. When he shows up with a gun going, no, 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 this is a personal call. <laughs> and you're like, holy fuck. This is between me and that pig. Now, listen, why don't you go ahead and let Scramps just see how far he can get to the ridge line? <laughs> just scope some. No. It, 
I don't. I, I'm not bringing my pets to that guy. You just don't understand the majesty of animal <laughs> husbandry. I'm so not. When you're like, I saw a lot of animals die that summer. I'm putting a lot more together. Where he was just like, hmm, better put this one down. Like that's what I'm seeing Make him the do. The boy watch. Yeah, just him looking at just like, what's wrong with my goldfish and him just pouring it slowly into the toilet bowl. <laughs> he just squishes it. We couldn't save Goldie as he stares with his one good eye, little Susie. I have to imagine both of them were good. Maybe the one staring <laughs> right at you was not. That'd be a wild twist. Well, gotta think about that. Like what that does to your perspective if your eyes are really cut both like one's hard left and one's hard right. No, that would drive a man mad. That would drive you insane. It's, we were not meant to have chameleon eyes. No, we're not. Yeah. Were his eyes also kind of on the side of his head? How close together it's were his eyes? got a wide face. They're, they weren't, <laughs> they weren't <laughs> super close together. He was closer to Hey Arnold than his, than his buddy. It's a little bullfroggy. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, uh, again, a lovely man. And, and <laughs> <laughs> you're saving him. Good job. And good at what he does. Because I immediately started telling the story, and I'm like, I don't know if he's still practicing. Uh, whatever. Well, here's the thing. I didn't say his name. You didn't say his name. You just it's gave Arthur Scoobleman. It was like you just gave a lot of identifying details to our sleuths. Sure. <laughs> oh, I can. Oh, I can find this guy. You're like he's not a bad guy, and I go. So, did you become a vet then? <laughs> and you go, no. I go, hmm. Guess the majesty was lost for you. Oh man, so many things that stole my innocence, dude. Um, I had to watch a clinical setting. Yeah. Oh yeah, I had to watch a lot of sheep get castrated. A lot of sheep get castrated. Jeez, just pop those balls out, man. They don't do the rubber band (laughs) thing anymore. They pop those balls out. I don't need to see or know anything about that. Oh, but why don't you explain the process? I I have actually sewn up a testicle sack. No. Yeah. Why? Yeah. And you didn't get kicked in the face? Are they highly sedated? They're all they're oh my god, dude. When you cut their balls off, they're very sedated. I don't know. Listen, the guy worked with a shotgun. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what he's Not doing. Not in a professional capacity. Yeah. <laughs> this is the surgical gun. Ah It uh it's bad. He's got a Remington on the wall and it's just it was made by a hospital and everyone nods. Oh, it's a Pfizer shotgun. Yes. Um yeah, no, I, I watched a, a hell of a lot of sheep lose their balls. Uh, saw a lot of cats get spayed. I saw a lot of dogs get spayed and neutered. So it's just a lot of dealing with animal junk is what you're saying. Uh, it was a lot of, of removing animal reproductive organs. <laughs> at the age of 11, when you know what my friends were doing? Sitting at home. Playing pogs. Discovering <laughs> their bodies and playing Nintendo. Drinking fruit punch. 11? Wow. Got to be all this stuff in the milk. That bovine growth hormone. A lot of those, yeah. 11, man. I knew a lot of hairy (laughs) 11-year-olds. Seems young to me. I don't know. What do I know? I'm 30 now. I think at 11, I was, yeah, I was playing with Pogs. Was Pokemon a thing at that point, or was that like 13? No, Pokemon was. That was a little later. That was pre-teenager. Was it? Pokemon? Maybe 12. Absolutely. Yeah, 11. I remember being a youngin'. That's fair. I might have gotten into that probably between 11 and 12. Because sixth grade, I remember that... If you remember from earlier episodes, that bitch, may she rest in peace, Miss Benson, <laughs> stole my fucking Pokemon cards and never gave them back. God damn. She stole them and died. Holograph Venusaur. That's number. That's one of the. You should be able to sue her estate for back taxes. That's the third evolution of one of the first three. And it was a first edition Pokemon card. You know how much that shit's probably worth now? I don't want to look it up because it'll hurt. I get a certain age. I gave all my Pokemon cards to my cousin because he was, you know. Much, much younger than me. And I was like, I had so much fun with these. Um, now he's just using them to chop Adderall. Uh, no, yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> That's got to catch them all, man. <laughs> just got to catch them all. Oh, Pokemon. I am so focused. Um, but yeah, now like I get I like get all nostalgic about it. And like they moved a couple of times. I'm like, I wonder if they've got those Pokemon cards. I wonder to ask just because I want to see them again. But also I had a binder that's probably worth a car. So, I just want to look at them. Yeah, I want that shit back. But how do you ask? How do you how do you ask for something like that back? Ah, that's tough. That's he's much tough. older now. Again, like at this point, like he's gone to college, gotten out, crashed his car, fucking lived his, you know. Uh, so he might be like, I don't give a fuck. Take him. <laughs> sure, dude. <laughs> Got to catch whatever, nerd. <laughs> I played football. <laughs> Listen, I've, I've, I've fingered a girl. Have you? Yeah. You just hang your head. <laughs> no. I gotta go. It was nice to see you. Family reunions are great. <laughs> You're a joy. 
your continued development so as fascinating as always cousin <laughs> so what did you want to be after vet after vet after yeah. i gave up the dream because i didn't think i could yank the nuts off tigers yeah um what was next after that uh i got a wild hair across my ass to be a plastic surgeon for a while <laughs> oh why Big old fake boobies, huh? No, I actually Pervert. wanted to like. I wanted to like work with burn victims. I shut sounded way too excited <laughs> yeah. about that. You sure <laughs> did. Like almost to the point where like you create burn victims. So you I can, wanted to work with burn victims. Like this is some real unbreakable. You're Mister Glass out there <laughs> looking for me. the unburnable man. You are my canvas. I finally found him. <laughs> I'm like Mr. Freeze, except I just go around lighting people on fire in public parks. Yep. How Batman of you. Wow, that is, yeah. <laughs> My it's tragic great. backstory. No, I did. I was like, I would really love to, like, be a plastic surgeon who, like, could Fixes really, people. like, do people a world of good by aiding in their various disfigurements. And what ruined that dream for you? <laughs> <laughs> the show Nip Tuck. <laughs> Maybe. Um... The amount of schooling was too intimidating, and I also found uh, theater pretty immediately. Yeah. And was like, ah, okay, sick. You don't have to find... You don't. Ha- <laughs> no one's going to bring you a seven-year-old girl who's got third-degree burns all over her face and neck. Uh, uh, but I can pretend to be both of those things, both a burn victim and somebody who fixes burn victims. Checkmate theater. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can go through all the emotions without any of the work. <laughs> Just got to do the emotional work. Uh, my emotions. In many ways, being a plastic surgeon is a lot like being an actor. Yeah. <laughs> Explain. <laughs> <laughs> we both ease people's tragic disfigurements, physical and emotional. Ah, well done. It's good. It's good work. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. So then you got into theater. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to ruin my life with this. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to throw away... I totally can relate. ...any chance at a normal life Mm -hmm. to do this thing that looked fun while I was 18. Yep. Or younger than that at that point. 13, 14, 15. Somewhere in there. Oh, yeah. We'll say 14. We'll split the day. A a perfect time to decide the rest of your life. Ah, yes. That's how I felt about it as well. You get into one production of The Mikado. Uh Uh-huh. And everything changes. changes. everything. Like, wow. I can be racist on stage? Oh, my (laughs) God. I can be racist for art? That's incredible. Sign me up. Am I? In that moment, if you told me that I would not once but twice do audio blackface as the plant (laughs) in Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. The second time being 2016, where I told the director, it's probably not a good idea to do the (laughs) voice as everyone expects it. So can I make him, like, British or something like that? And take a wildly different stab? No. The dot guy was like... Do it like you did in your audition. Yep. And you're like. (sighs) That's on me for leading with my racist heart. Yep. (laughs) Look at you being able to sing well, racist (laughs) piece of shit. There goes the most talented racist ever. Yeah. I I guess I haven't. I'm trying to think about awful stuff because I was in the Mikado. So that's a strike against me. I played a racist in The Foreigner. You sure did. Yeah. So I played a, a Klansman. So that's two. That's two strikes. Third strike was, you're going to be surprised by this, you're a good man, Charlie Brown, because I played Linus, which on in theater is uh, traditionally a black person who plays that role. So, strike three, buddy. I am out. Yikes. And they told me, they took my card. I never got equity. <laughs> and they're like, no more for you. They canceled me. Man. That's why I'm here doing this podcast. <laughs> That's why. We're rebranding like yeah. Shane Gillis. It only took him two years, but, you know... We're on a hard seven at this yeah. point. We're doing great. We'll get there. We're killing it. Nashville's a 10-year town, they say, so. Yeah. Someone send this around, please. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Is this good, Lauren? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, bring them in for, uh, for an, uh, an audition. I, I want to not laugh at them. Yeah. I wish to throw cocktail peanuts at them. That should be kind of fun. Imagine getting like brought to New York to audition just as a joke. Like, I'll take it. Honestly, at this point in my life, I just do it. Absolutely. I got nothing else going on. I would, <laughs> I would drink as much liquid as I possibly could and try and pee in front of Lauren Michaels. <laughs> oh my god, it's so great to be here. I, oh no! <laughs> oh my god! No! 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 And then I'd also try to uh, maybe poo a little so I can say I crapped him. 
I uh, crapped him. Yeah, I think that's also pretty good. And and then I I try to run, but I slip and I fall in my own puddle. Ooh. And then Do I, you skid through the feces? I I know I well I mean really. Or is the feces pretty well contained it's in your well pants? It's well contained. I'm wearing overalls, by the way. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So everything's kind of well contained. The feces is handled. I've got some. Uh, I've got some pretty thick socks on, and they are up around the pant leg. You had a sense that this might happen. Oh yes. And so <laughs> everything's contained there, and I just crawl my way off set, just with my hands, as if my legs have stopped working. Hmm. When this is all done, I mean, when I'm well off and they've started to talk among themselves, I walk in. I walk back in. And I go, so what do you think? <laughs> was it good? Yeah, I go, what do you guys, how, so how was that for you guys? I can do another take. <laughs> if I can offer you one note, it's that it would be very funny if you were wearing the overalls and when you fell over, diarrhea cascaded out of them <laughs> and all over As your back. It was already there. <laughs> Just fill my trousers. Like, this man smells like chunky soup. <laughs> I just got a, I've got it all rigged up because it's got to be high enough where, like, you can still see the pee. I can't line every. I can't line myself with plastic bags or something. You know what I mean? But I can't walk. You need in to there. have like a diarrhea squib. I can't yeah. walk in there full of chunky soup and beans and all kinds because again, I'm just gonna rocket this stuff out. So I either have to eat all these contents and have the most painful <laughs> diarrhea I've ever had on a stage in front of Lauren Michaels in New York City, or I need to come really prepared. I think if you're really dedicated to your craft, you shit your overalls. I mean, I'll shit them a little bit. Like, I'll come. I, you shit them, girl. It's going to be the you buzz of both worlds. I just don't know how practically, you know, I can hide a bunch of, like, shit. <laughs> Prop shit. <laughs> Prop shit. Interesting. This man smells like chunky soup <laughs> and chili. I don't know why I heated it up. I'm so nervous. <laughs> I wanted the steam to come off it when it comes shooting out the back of my then pockets. Lauren Michaels wouldn't get super offended if I slipped forward towards him and got a little bit on him. He's like, oh, this is this is pretty good chili. <laughs> that not, someone's already eaten yeah, not, and digested. Not, uh, not all of it is chili, sir. You're hired. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Nice. That's going to be pretty fun. So let me let me bounce it back to you then. What did you, what did you first realize you wanted to do? <sighs> it was not even like, I had a, okay. So the first thing I ever wanted to do, super redneck, <laughs> super awesome. Guess what I wanted to do? Race car driver. Race car driver, baby. Yep. Oh yeah, knew it. Because again, driving fast. I had people who raced in my family, and that lasted all of until they put me into the seat of uh, a wrecked car. With the windshield all spider webbed and it was all crashed and shit. It was just sitting over there. I don't think they thought of it, like the impact of what it would do to me seeing it all wrecked like that. I think they were just putting me behind a wheel because they thought it'd be fun for me. And immediately from that, I didn't want to fucking be a race car driver anymore. I'm sorry, how old were you again? Like five. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Like a young, like five, six. Like if I was five, six, seven, again, super, like pretty young. Somewhere, like, felt like five, six. I was like, well, guess what? Don't want to do that anymore. Also, formative years realize for my family i don't like country music a lot of country music mm. <sighs> i digress uh, after that i wanted to be um like i wanted to be like some kind of illustrator or like a, a cartoonist like disney kind of shit you know interesting and i went and did that and like even when i was at disney world when i was in florida we went and did like a tour of like one of their studios and like i saw cartoonists do the work it was right around when they made um hercules so like they were doing a lot of the cells for Hercules, and I got to see a bunch of people like drawing Panic and all that kind of fun stuff. Oh, that's sick, dude. Yeah, so that was fun. Um, and that probably went away around the time I was like 12-ish when I realized I couldn't fucking draw. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to draw. like It was right around so, like another person. Again, children are so cruel. But like you saw other people in your class drawing amazingly, like naturally talented people, the kind of people that could like they could look at you and draw you. They were just good like that, and also kind of rude about it. <laughs> and would see you working on things, and you'd be like tracing stuff and like trying to do that, and like they'd be doing stuff freehand, and they'd be mocking you for it. <laughs> I was like, hey man, I'm just trying to draw this character from Legend of Zelda. I don't know what you fucking want from me. So eventually, that got harassed out of me. <laughs> So no more illustrator for me. And then I wandered in a lost sense for a very, very long time until high school when I figured out I liked drama. And by that, I mean being bitchy to other kids. <laughs> you are not wearing those shoes. And everyone in the cafeteria is like, oh, shit. 
No. Um, Rory, spill the tea. Yeah. I thought for a while I might do something in math. I don't know. I was good at math. Mm-hmm. Um, and history was kind of interesting, but it was also really intense. With You had like teachers who – this name will mean something to you and other listeners perhaps, uh, Mr. Treese. Mm-hmm. Like teachers who were like that guy who's really trying to like, my captain, my captain, his students. And for me at that age and like really formative years, I didn't really know what I believed. I was really just trying to fit in and make friends. And that meant very much going along with like cultural norms. And when you are sort of faced with someone like that, who when he's showing you Saving Private Ryan and you're being like, oh, shit, people. And he's like, they're committing war crimes. And he's trying to explain this to you. But you don't care. You're just watching people get shot on screen. And, like, that's all that your class kind of cares about. What so classes did you have with him? I had, like, a, a U.S. history class with him. And that was it. Because after that, I just didn't take – I took Mr. Rapplier. Uh, oh, the opposite the end of the spectrum. The exact opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> and that's when I learned I wasn't a Republican either. You know what I mean? Because the things he was saying was so ludicrous when he was talking about the pink Okami bastards. Dude, he's like Sergeant Hadrian. He's like, Ronald Reagan. He came and played This Land is Your Land on his guitar for us one time. Again – True Vermont are through and through in a oh, lot of ways. God like, bless him. Talking bless about his heart. how he would like shoot woodchucks out of trees and stuff. And all the girls look, oh, and he'd be like, they're a menace. You don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, he and my uh, family member would go yeah. along quite well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, if you were to ever been like, he's like a, a, a subtle descendant or like relative of us. Like lose like third cut. I'd be like, I totally fucking believe that. Um, that's what I think of when I think of that guy. See, and I got to say, my Treese experience was totally different. I never once felt like I was being indoctrinated into, like, Marxism or anything it else. It wasn't even like I felt he like I was taught being indoctrinated. Me, he taught me how to be a free thinker. Not taught sure. me how, but he encouraged those values. Sure. Question everything. Cite your sources. I'm not really sure where it happened for me. You know what I mean? Because I would say that my motive in high school was I need to stay the fuck out of the way of things and just try to do my own thing while doing the things I enjoy, which puts me in the crosshairs of a lot of bullies (laughs) because you don't play lacrosse and do theater and do well at public school. Maybe you do now. I hope the world is different. (laughs) Oh, you 100% do. Are you kidding me? That sensitive kid that does both. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. It was the worst. Then you take it out on other schools and hit them with a lacrosse stick. Oh, so nice. I miss lacrosse, but you can't play like, as an adult, I can't go play lacrosse for the same reasons I played lacrosse when I was 16, 17. You're like, what the fuck, man? Quit hitting me with a fucking stick <laughs> like that. This is club ball. Who's a pussy now, Dad? <laughs> Quit whoa. yelling at me from the sidelines. Rory. <laughs> yeah, whoa. This is about something else, I yeah. think. So, yeah. And then I figured out theater. Theater was fun. And that's where both of our lives pretty much got ruined. Yeah. Bad. Oh, yeah. Pretty terrible. Because, again, learned a lot about theater, but I did not learn a ton about getting like where you needed to go to apply that well and like networking and those sort of things and uh, other people I knew just seemed to figure that out and went and did it and here I am doing a podcast in in Vermont (laughs) more next it doesn't get any better than this yeah uh good times other times I got bullied in high school (laughs) it's the bully zone yeah so yeah that was my that was my progression and then I went on to do really shitty, like, logistics and facilities work for big multinational corporations through my 20s. So it all worked out. Yeah, it all worked out. It was a living the dream. Out. Yeah, it's pretty great. The oh. places I saw, oh, man, corporate parties were actually pretty bitching. Yeah? See, I've never oh. been to anything of that scale. Oh, yeah. I was downtown New York, like, on the top of uh, a skyscraper, which is kind of fucked for me because I'm not a big heights guy. You know what I mean? Um, like, this feeling, oh, God. But, like, there you are on, like, floor... God, I, mean, I really don't want to fucking think about it right now. Not one of like the mega hundred something floor skyscrapers, but high enough, high enough. And you're sitting there and you're looking at all of New York. And so you're seeing all of the places you can't afford because like you're you're looking out and you look across the way and you're kind of looking down and you're trying not to throw up. <laughs> and you see like this garden and you're like, oh my God, that's fucking beautiful. And you realize it's somebody's personal garden. It's on their patio. And that door leads down into their like suite. And you're like, wow, that is awesome. Lord knows how much that costs. That person probably owns it, you know? And you're looking across the way and you're seeing like this weird building that's like this cool art kind of way that this, the top of it kind of juts out. And you're like, oh yeah, that's a penthouse suite. And there's somebody living there. And you can kind of see into it a little bit because the light's hitting it in just the right way because it's sunset as well. Very beautiful. And uh, you're like, oh, I also can't afford that. And so then you still again, you're like, I'm very high up. And even now thinking about it, I'm feeling a little nauseous. <laughs> like, 
so fucking high up and you go back inside and they've rented the whole top floor of this place to put on this fucking party. And everybody from the company is there and there's a guy in the corner making sushi fresh and all of these other delicious foods are there and all these people are talking and have it, you know, they're all super friendly and they're all a bunch of backstabbing sons of bitches. <laughs> but they're all buddies there and then the CEO takes a bunch of people out for drinks afterwards and they get fucking hammered. Holy shit, those guys can drink. Uh, so those parties were wild. They were kind of weird in the sense that like that's what people with a shit ton of money uh, do. Like when they talk about like work hard, play hard, I was like, holy fuck. You know that in the 80s, these guys were bumping coke uh, off of the bar, you know, like wild. So wait, you were at these parties? I was at like a couple of these. One was a corporate party. As an invited Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I was you there. weren't like working the thing like Caddyshack. No, 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 I no, no. I've no. got enough butter. I now. was in the company and got it. Okay. I was there, you know, um, <clears throat> and so like I was eating the sushi and having a good time. Okay. I don't eat a lot of sushi, but I was like, I gotta fucking try this. I gotta tell you, when it's made like that, I like sushi. Was Holy it shit. naked lady sushi? No, it wasn't naked uh, lady sushi. Well. This was this was a this was a woke company, which means that like they're not gonna do stuff like that, but they're still soulless. <laughs> so they did it off a fat man instead. Yeah. They're just gonna to hand you. They're gonna hand you a little pride flag and then fire you. Uh, that was my company. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. That was a great Pretty meme great that I saw. It was uh, corporations during Pride Month, and it was uh, the what's his name, Captain uh, Sullivan or whoever gets yep. kidnapped by the pirates. Uh-huh, Shitty yeah. Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, look at me. Look I'm at me. The, I'm gay now. Yep. Well, that's that was the most frustrating thing because again, I worked like adjacent to HR, so when they did all that stuff, I helped them set that crap up. And it was really funny, like, doing the International Women's Day stuff because in, inside companies, especially when you work in, like, logistics and you work in some of these departments, like, you hear all the stories. And so it's really funny when they do, like, the female empowerment stuff and you hear the women laughing behind someone's back because they know she's sleeping with this other guy and that's how she got the position that she's in and they're getting married and she's currently pregnant with that guy's kid. And she's talking about how she worked her way to the position that she's in on this video that's getting played in front of the company. And you're like, holy fuck, this is great. Uh, For example. Wow. So that was always fun. Like, I enjoyed that part of working in those corporate structures, you know? Like, I don't know if you have any fun stories like that. But, like, that shit was the thing that I was like, okay, I'll come in tomorrow. (laughs) Keep coming in. The thing is, I've never even worked anywhere close to the corporate world. Oh, my God. I've worked in gyms. Don't fucking schools. do it. Don't do it, man. Uh, no. Yeah. Because, like, I'm if I, I can it, help it. It sounds fun and funny, but I'm talking about, like, three times. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> sound know? fun or funny at all. I got that same level of drama that you just described by working at a school detailing buses. Yeah. They caught a bunch of people who are all, like, semi-related this to each other. This is our favorite story on the podcast. Fucking each other. Yeah. yeah. This is my favorite story. I just have to remind people that. Because that shit happened. Yeah, like stepsister porn. Like, step bro, what's going on? I you, sat in the dry set and gum. <laughs> you experienced that. I need you to help me up. Oh, not like that. I didn't need to. I didn't experience it as in like I walked in on it <laughs> or I was Christ. a part of it. <laughs> but it was a legendary thing that occurred while I was there. Well, you were there chipping gum up on the fucking buses and shit, yeah? Chipping up gum so someone else could sit in it. That's absolutely <sighs> correct. Goddamn. What was the worst job you ever had? Um... Norwich, hundred percent working at Norwich. working for Norwich. Yep. Yeah, what was the worst part about it? Just because of the monotony or the the incompetence or what? Oh, there isn't one worst part. It was everything you just named: monotony, mm-hmm. incompetence, uh, soullessness, bad break room snacks. Mm-hmm. A guy once forced me at Butter Knife Point to try his nut cheese. <laughs> I love that sentence. He had That's nut incredible. cheese. And was like, he saw me making a little, like, fr- the turkey burrito thing that I brought from home. So I'm sprinkling a little loaf And he's cheese. like, you got to put this shit on it instead, motherfucker. Exactly. He doesn't make the leap with me that I'm eating low-fat cheese you're, by you're offering watching me your ten times more fattening cheese because it's made out of nuts. Yes. So he doesn't get that. No. He's no. like, you'll love it. And I'm like, oh, cool. Maybe I'll pick it up. No, you'll you'll love it. Right now. You'll love it. And then just slides the bag over. The bag, huh? Yeah. Mm. I'm like, so your hand's just been in here, huh? <laughs> now mine's just going in too. Squeezing it. It's just one. It's not it's like a like a 
like a mold of cheese. It's just a glump now. Yeah, it's just like a fucking ball of cheese. Um, and it was fucking terrible, but I had to eat it to be polite because he was higher up than me and people were that petty. Mmm. So good. That sounds pretty shitty. I, it was one of those like office space. It was office space. It was my version of office space where eventually I stopped giving a fuck because they didn't give me any work to do. Uh I asked, I'm like, what is my job? What am I doing? And they'd be like, oh, you're the marketing coordinator. I'm like, what am I coordinating? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So explain. (laughs) No one. Just sit at your desk drumming all day. Sometimes just going down like Wikipedia rabbit holes for hours because I can't find something to do. Yeah. Because they never explained to me what I was supposed to be doing. Every now and then someone would be like, You gotta talk to the Yakatomi Corporation in Japan. We're closing a business deal with them. You're like, Okay, cool. An actual thing. I don't remember what the company it wasn't Yakatomi. That's an awesome name. We need let's name a band that Yakatomi Corporation. Yakatomi Corporation. Pretty That's good. Awesome. That's our great name for a band. Maybe we can't get away with it. <laughs> Maybe not. But, Let uh, us know if we can't get away with it. Is it culturally insensitive? Might On be. the Skinball Lounge. Um, uh, where was I going with this? Norwich. Sucks. Yeah. Balls. Worst, uh, uh, worst, lack of vision. That was the worst job you ever had. Yeah, they're a school that prides itself on being like, we create well-rounded leaders. It's like, yeah, and you have no leadership <laughs> here. You're all a bunch of fucking <sighs> chimps trying to fuck a doorknob. That's tough, man. Yeah. And I was one of those chimps. <laughs> I was trying to fuck that doorknob for a, for a good two years. Yeah. Well, hey, man, that's that's the rat race. You know how many jobs there are out there that don't need to exist that like pay ridiculously. Like I've seen a lot of jobs like that. Just people who work at companies who do one thing that the company isn't willing to get rid of. Like some kind of software or something that like everybody uses and doesn't realize they use it or they do like variations on that. And they have one person who manages that software who makes like $160,000 a year and that's all they fucking do. It's like that one thing. Every company, it doesn't have to be like, that's the examples I've seen. But every company has that one person who does that one thing that lets them skate and they don't do jack shit and help in any other way. And they get paid too much fucking money for it. And that's why everybody else gets paid. No, no, that's not why. But uh, like ah, companies are bullshit, man. Like it just it drives me crazy. Like look at remote work as being such an excellent example. Like COVID taught all of these companies one thing, which is that people can work from home and middle management doesn't need to be as expansive as it is. And all of those people screamed and they started dragging people back to work so much that in many companies, like they have those massive uh, resignation moments because everyone goes, no, fuck it. I'm going to go work for a company that stayed remote. Fuck you guys. Because all of these companies have to justify one thing and that's spending sometimes millions of dollars on these offices. They can't get like, they're not willing to get rid of the spaces. They need to justify the spaces. So you got to bring people back to work. That's how stupid, like, like America is right now. Like, I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but it's ridiculous. But it boils down to exactly what you're saying, which is status. We have yeah. to keep the office so we look like a big boy firm. So everyone's got to come yeah. work to maintain the illusion that any of this is legitimate. Well, and it gets even worse and it gets more frustrating from there. Like, let's go ahead and take New York as an example, right? So New York has a huge fucking housing problem. And what they also have a big issue on is big companies like look, look at Bra- uh, BlackRock as an example Oof. right and what these companies have done over the past two-ish three-ish years have become 60% of all purchases of the housing market right so if you can't justify companies going back into the spaces in the the era of the office is dead like let's just say it, it essentially starts to die out like the dinosaur All of these spaces need to justify their existence in some way. And in many, many cases, that's going to result in them converting to residential space. You can't have these places, however, convert to residential space because it directly conflicts with the investment that these major, like, businesses have been engaging in for the past two to three years and blackrock is billions and billions of dollars these are some of the like the biggest investors on the planet like that's the kind of people right now that are putting their money into the housing market you can't also have the office uh uh like what would you call it the commercial uh real like realty space you can't have that go under because it becomes residential and destroys the investment they just made 
And so that's a lot of what we're seeing right now, which is funny because it's going to happen one way or another anyways. I really hope the housing market collapses so I can finally rent. <laughs> that's, that's what I want. More to, more to come. That, I think, <laughs> sums up the podcast better than anything that's been said on it before. Drives me, me ranting about th- the things that are wrong with things. Well, we just the fact that we need the housing market to collapse so we can oh. afford to rent. Yes, yeah, so we can afford to rent. My God, the fucking world. I, I looked at uh, shitty spaces to buy in Burlington, Vermont, just for funsies. And they're like, some of them are like a quarter of a million dollars for shit spaces. Nice space. Like, I found one that's like an apartment half a million dollars oh it's obscene it's a gorgeous space right but it's a half a million dollars did you ever think you'd live <laughs> to see the day where you got kind of pressed out of your own state like that, the desirable place to live in your be, own state let's be completely honest here i never saw the day where i would look up the prices of real estate in my home state <laughs> well, fair. this is like really I, I i don't think i've done that in a very very long time where i was like what are buying prices like in this area and that was fucked up to so I'm not going to do that again because I don't have a half a million dollars. So what's the point? You know? Yeah. That's <laughs> what's the point? <laughs> uh, come That's on. The podcast. Crash, damn it. <laughs> uh, uh, fuck. Yeah. Speaking of crash, how how we doing? We're like halfway through, man. It's like 35. Are you kidding me? Yeah, we're, we're, fucking, we're still on the way. My worst job ever. Okay. Thanks for asking. Sorry, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> Uh, let's see. My worst. I'm gonna job. eat a tootsie roll while you're doing this. Oh, we have we had. There's. A, go ahead. Do it. Get, get it. Get it right in there. You 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 already did the thing. You un, you unfurled it. Now you're just now you're just vamping. <coughs> Anyways, folks, I'm trying to think about my worst job. Like emotionally, I don't know. That's a toughie. Literally, my worst job was worst the, experience versus worst like job on its own. Like, well, like the longevity of certain jobs kind of fuck with me. Like, I worked for a nonprofit insurance company, quote unquote nonprofit. I won't say the name of them. Uh, fuck it, I'll say it, Blue Cross, <laughs> and uh, that was a pretty awful experience. But I don't. I think the thing that really took the cake was the summer that I was a window washer, because I was a, a Central Vermont window washer, and that meant sometimes that. Certain days of the week, we would go downtown, bury Vermont, and wash the windows of the businesses that paid the company. Sweet. So I did that. And then they, we also took uh, residential places. So some you just go to somebody's house. Like the house above me used to be owned by an old woman whose windows I washed once. That was fun. <laughs> Luckily, she did not recognize me, the neighbor she hated. <laughs> So that that happened. Uh, we washed uh, all of the we washed. I think it was three of the buildings at Norwich University. Interestingly enough, uh, one of the biz like I, I can't remember what the names of the buildings are, but one of the ones where like a lot of the, like the office work gets done. Um, and like I like would walk onto people's desks while they were working, mind you, to pull apart the windows uh, just because like the way they came apart and they'd be like. 30, 40 pounds, you have to pull that shit out of the window and put it on, like, a towel and then wash it in front of them and have them give you weird comments and talk to the people in the office room and then crawl over their desk again and put the window back together and do that for an entire floor all day, every floor. (laughs) And so, like, that was pretty tough. The worst part being, though, is that some of the machinery, like you have to hook up to hoses and stuff, and at Norwich University particularly, uh, those are breeding grounds for earwigs. So you would have to dig through an army of earwigs to plug in a hose, uh, which was, for me, not a big bug fan. I'm not, like, I'm... I can't over-exaggerate the amount of earwigs I'm talking about. Holy fuck. I've never seen so many earwigs in my fucking life and then we washed those windows uh montpelier elementary middle school whichever one it was we, we did those too that mm. was fun and also every now and then we'd go and like do random things like clean washing machines at like a local apartment complex and shit weird stuff that was a miserable fucking summer mostly because the chemicals um that like you put your hands in just like ru- like rubbed my hands raw like me who plays instruments, like I had no calluses for guitar or drums mm-hmm. or any of it. They were gone. So eventually I started wearing gloves. 
which got a lot of shit from my boss, and the ex-con that he hired as his number two that I worked with. It was one, two, three of us. That's how many our team was, by the way, three of us. Um, Crack squad. Yeah. Well, uh, judge my surprise later when the, the, the gentleman whose company it was died of cancer, pretty bad cancer, and p- most likely from the chemicals that he worked with his entire life. So I did it for a summer and never did that again. And my ha- it's good. You know, my hands, they're not, uh, they're not completely raw anymore, so that's nice. Like, holy shit, that was some abrasive chemicals. That so was probably the worst. That was the worst in terms of, like, the grotesquerie of the, it was just the an, job itself. It was an all-around bad experience, yeah. Was but just, what was your worst one emotionally, philosophically, existentially? Blue Cross, working for the insurance company. Okay. Because that was, like, I, I started in the mailroom, and that was just a lot of document scanning and doing stuff that I know how to do, like working mail machines and easy stuff. Like, I, I've been working at... Uh, like a multinational um, investment company, uh, Loomis Sales and Company in Boston, like right downtown Boston, one financial. So like it was basically all the same shit on a Vermont scale. So I just kind of like waltzed through that shit. Um, But that wasn't really the shitty part about it. It was that it was that kind of corporate culture where they like mocked the people in the mailroom. And we're totally okay with it being an insurance company where people worked 40 hours a week being labeled as temporary workers and per diems so that you didn't have to pay them benefits, insurance, or any of the like. So I worked for a quote-unquote nonprofit insurance company that didn't provide me insurance. And that was probably the most soul-crushing thing. Because even after I worked my way into the claims adjustment department, they called it a temporary position because they weren't sure if I was going to stay or not. They, there was another woman there who was pregnant and they assumed might just decide not to come back but really loved these guys and, like, did, you know? So there was my job. So I did claims adjustments for a good portion of the time I was there. And they wanted me to go into customer service, and that's where I was finally going to get benefits. And I said, fuck you guys, and left. Um, And just worked out the rest of what they needed me to do in that department, which was they were switching over to a new software, and they needed somebody to go through a bunch of claims adjustments. And that was fucked up because I, I saw people that I knew and it was my community. And a lot of the times, like, it was stupid things, like somebody broke their arm and needed a cast, and it got labeled as a different type of injury. And so you just need to adjust what type of injury it is and send it back to the provider for them to go, yep, cool. And it would be the difference between someone paying 20 fucking thousand dollars and, like, $3,000, or $6,000 and $20. It, like, really crazy differences sometimes. And sometimes the fucked up reality was knowing no, we're not going to change it. That's how much this person is paying, and their insurance is definitely not going to fucking cover all of it. That's what they're paying out of pocket. 25 Gs, here you go. And it's out of my hands. There's nothing you can do. And you just sit there and watch that all day. Numbers, numbers, money, 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 money. And you just watch this company. On my little end of it, like me, uh, one of 12 people doing this, and I was doing their backlogged shit, you know? And uh, I got done that and got the fuck out of there and never went back. And it was one of those things where I was just like, the thing that worries me morally was like, like, I might have stayed if you guys didn't have a mailroom full of people who weren't getting insurance. Like retirees who worked there to buy insurance from that company with the time they spent working there. I was like, that's kind of fucked up, isn't it? It's a little fucked up. And they didn't mind because they wanted something to do because they were from that generation. But there was also 19-year-old kids there who didn't know any better, you know, who were going to be super happy about the opportunity to go work in customer service eventually. And I was like, holy fuck, this is evil. This is super evil. And they're a nonprofit where I was sitting there asking for insurance, and I know that the CEO was making close to a million dollars and was getting enough money in a raise that year from the previous year to justify giving all those people insurance. Again, they're an insurance company. They set the fucking rates. They can't give insurance to their own people. That was probably the most soul-crushing fucking job I've ever done. It really, really fucked me up for a while, man. Okay, I thought of a different one oh. that was worse than Norwich for me. Well, there you go. I'm, I'm so glad I could spark a memory of depression in your heart. You did. You made, <laughs> you made me think of the most existentially threatening job I've ever had. Yeah, see, exactly. That's what I was thinking of, was the stuff that makes you go... I could see myself, like, you asked me to keep working here. I am not going to keep working here. No, I don't have something else lined up, but it's better than working here. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And doing this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was personal training because your uh-huh. whole job is literally to make fat women lose weight. 
That is my fucking <laughs> nightmare, dude. That is an existential threat to me on such a fundamental level. Well, you don't, you're not into fit chicks, so it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> no. I, I, that's the what thing. I'm like, wow. Well, also, is it that bad? Because are you trying to fuck your clients? Is that what you're saying? No, you pervert. You can't. You shouldn't. <laughs> Technically, it's not illegal, but you shouldn't do it. But I still get what you're saying. You know what I mean? That was awful. That was like... I'd I'm rather work. I, I w- it made me wish I'd worked with the burnt up seven year old. <laughs> Should have just gone back to that. You could have just been like only dudes, only working with dudes, only gonna work with dudes here, man. Yeah. Well. Well. I don't need to, I don't need to tell you what happens when that word gets See, out. There you go. <laughs> uh, you're giving yourself a lot of credit. You start getting a very specific kind of dude. You're getting. You're giving yourself a lot of credit. <laughs> I was the bell of the ball. Everyone's like, I want to work with that guy. We found love in a hopeless place. You just just squatting, rocking, fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, it sounds like a fun gym. No, it was fine. Yeah, what gym was what gym was that? Blink Fitness. Blink Fitness. I for a while had a Blink Fitness membership. (sighs) Yeah, I didn't have fun. Sorry. Yeah, well, it was fine. They just kept trying to get me to do training and stuff. It was one of those oh, things. Oh, I, like, I know. And I was like, I just, nope, I just got big enough headphones so they could see I was in my own <laughs> world and they stopped bothering me. Yep. And I just, I never, like, I didn't do a lot of weight training. I just did a shit ton of cardio. That's all see, I really and did. I was on the opposite side of that. I was trying to find motherfuckers like you and be like, hey, hi there. Have you ever yeah. considered a half hour free session? Comes yep. with your membership. And see, I should have come to your bougie Manhattan. Like, Ooh, interesting. <laughs> but I didn't want to go that far. There was one literally up the road for me. And I was already working out. It was already hard enough, man. I ran there and back. To do more cardio? Yeah. You should have been slinging some fucking bells around. Well, I did push-ups and sit-ups at my house. Why wouldn't you do them at the gym? I don't know. Your whole system. I don't understand what you were paying for. Mostly just uh, the ability to use the bikes and the treadmills. Well, they do say cardio sells equipment. That's literally the first thing they told yeah. me on my first day at the job. Like, literally, that's all I was there. I would do two miles, I would run, and then uh, I would bike two miles or some variation of that. Like, I would do, a, I would run a mile and then go bike, and then I would go back. Because biking is easy, man. Biking's not so bad. You set the right resistance, and off you go. I just sit there and just zone out. Again, I'm a little high, and then I, you know, I would, uh, I would just sit there and bike and watch. They have like Law and Order on a lot where I was, so I just set up on that bike. No, no, you got the wrong guy. It was the, it was the guy from the last scene. That's the guy who's gonna come back later. Oh, I've gone five miles, and then I'd fuck off. What a twist. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would do like the eight minute abs kind of shit at home I, and again. just do all the different variations of that and again i'd sit there in front of my big ass tv watch some stupid no don't go in there oh my god and just uh, just do crunches until i fucking couldn't anymore i'm gonna do crunches and watch picard yeah. fight a bug guy yeah kind of. and then i'm gonna eat a pizza <laughs> doing everything out of order i'm sorry jim if i don't they'll kill us both um so yeah like that's like that's how i would do it again it wasn't the best at it but i was getting results you know so i was i was happy sure. with it hey. just keeping off my tummy don't got that no more hey if you're happy well no i well, i mean i was happy then and then i got covid and well they closed blink and then i got covid and my lungs got fucking destroyed and so like i tried to run again and i was so fucking winded so bad from it it's like i'll get back to it once my lungs are better <laughs> still waiting got covid twice so far so that didn't help uh, and then they tried to be like, well, Blink, you know, like, where have you been? I'm like, I'm back in Vermont. I'm trying to cancel my fucking membership. Just let me do it. Like, oh, sorry, dude, that's cool. And they let me. That's the thing is during the pandemic, they changed that because during yeah. normal circumstances, you would have assholes. had to go in there in person to yeah. cancel your membership. Again, it was one of those things where I was like, you're closed. I can't come in. I've been trying to cancel online. You just got You got to help me out. And eventually, like, I got, like, one of my emails responded to or something because I escalated that shit. And you know? it's some wacky thing where Ridiculous you shit. have to do it, like, 60 days in advance of the day that you plan to Stop terminate paying. your co- contract. But you have to do it before the pay cycle. Like, yeah. the cancellation policy pay. was inexplicable. Yeah, it was one of those things where if you're not canceling between the months of February and March on an off year, otherwise it's October and November then you're going to have to pay more. And only if you cancel two months prior to those dates, not during that time. You may only be released from your obligation during a blood moon. 
Yeah, essentially. That's the only time you yep. can cancel your fucking You got to show in and show proof that you're a wolf man. Otherwise, they are going to charge you. Bring me a vial of gypsy tears. I'm sorry. You don't have leprechaun descendants? <laughs> I'm afraid that's a $20 chur- uh, surcharge. You're going to be paying $5 a month for the rest of your life for the gray plan. Yeah, exactly. They oh. literally had a package called the gray plan. What do you think I was on? The gray plan. <laughs> it's like the dollar a month one, isn't it? It, it was no. It was like again. Oh well, yeah, I think it was one of those. It was. It wasn't a dollar a month. It was like, you you get yeah you you get a trial thing for a couple of months, and then you're paying like twenty bucks a month or something. It was, okay. it was something super cheap, but again, it was like you don't get to access the facility and all this other stuff. I was like, cool, man. What facilities? Well, like again, like the lockers and all the other shit. And I was just like, oh. I was. That's what I did. I was like, hey, guess what? I literally live down the road, so I would just walk there in my sweatpants and a t-shirt um or like a like a long sleeve that i bought just for fucking gym i'd walk in i'd do my shit and i'd walk the fuck out sweaty as hell <laughs> it worked that's the, that's life in the big city yep i just walked by a bunch of people just smelly and covered in sweat and i just walked my ass home just like every one of them and then it was freezing i would take the subway and so i'd just be some weird dude panting my ass off after going seven miles in the gym <laughs> just down through wet the subway. as fuck yeah wet as fuck in February, just like, <sighs> you're going to be the first coronavirus patient. While I'm listening to punk rock through my uh, my headphones. So, yeah, that was fun. I miss it. Oh, God. Listening to Kill the Poor while you yeah. create a puddle. Yeah, basically. I, I miss. I, that's the one thing I miss about the city is running in the city was better because I could meter it out. I don't ever find myself at the bottom of a hill and go, fuck. I've got about a, as much juice left to get me halfway up this fucker. I can just sit at a certain point and go, it's all flat. <laughs> and every now and then, you have to stop or a car hits you. Right. You know? You're running in a nice little grid, yeah. but I got to tell you. Well, and that's the thing. To be honest, I ran outside for a while. That's why in the city, I started using the treadmills and stuff because running in the city is a bitch and a half. So eventually, I started going to Blink. It's like 20 bucks a month. Eh? Fuck, whatever. Mm, there you go. Yep. So yeah, your your old place wasn't that evil. And once I told no, those I was, once I told those bit. buff narcissists to fuck off, I was fine. Once they knew, once they knew the the really pale dude in the long sleeve and the in the sweatpants in June was not gonna again, helps you sweat more, guys. Come on, think about it. Uh, was not gonna buy their shit. They left me alone. People like you made my life a living hell. <laughs> yeah. Because you wouldn't even just let me give you the free demo. No, yeah. Wouldn't even wouldn't even entertain it. Nope. Sorry, man. I don't need it. That I that Look, policy. You're, you're gonna let me do this. You're gonna see me doing this circuit later without you, and it's gonna make you cry. So I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing. I'm gonna go home and do push-ups until my chest hurts. And that's what my, my routine's gonna be. You know? It was great. Well, we're terminating your membership, so your move, asshole. Do you want the training session or not? Okay, see ya. I guess I'll go back to running on the streets. You'll be back. (laughs) They literally opened an MMA gym down the street from me. I was like, maybe I'll just get angrier. (laughs) They did. I wanted to check that out. I was going to at a certain point because, again, I was going to blink, and I was like, I just do a lot of running here, and like I'm doing that. I could literally just walk in and be like, I live over there. What does it cost to be able to come in here every day? And just, just see, you know. That would have been fun. I absolutely had to find. They had treadmills there too. A different gym, and I had to find one closer to work at because going into Manhattan. My well, you were in Brooklyn. So yeah, my you had commute, to go across. Yeah, yeah, my commute was like easily an hour. Yep, that was that was what I was dealing with because I was going to Queens down to uh, the bottom. I was going down to the financial district. Yeah, and I was in like Murray Hill. Sucks, doesn't it? Uh, it was terrible. Uh, Murray Hill. And then like we had these erratic schedules that you had to build based on your clients yep and the earliest we were open was 6 a.m and i had to get up convinced a woman to do the free training session and she said i need the 6 a.m slot on friday you're like haha okay so i then said you gotta be there all right then i needed to be there before the gym opens at six i needed to be there before that yep so be ready for her i had to get up at four yes to leave my apartment Yep. When you're tired and it's fucking freezing out, you yeah. want to die. Yep. You want to vomit. Especially because you got to ride the train the whole way there. And that sometimes is fine, and sometimes it's fucking awful. You plunge into the belly of the New York subway system, and you never know what you're going to get. You may be the only one in a train car all nice and toasty. Hmm. Yep. Nice. 
And there may be a guy in there who looks like Sinbad who's wearing a necklace that's made of human ears. And you go, surely this is a bit and those are fake. And then you smell him and you go, no, those are real. Yep. And there's a cat in here somewhere, but I don't see it. I can vaguely smell it. Because it smells like cat shit. Turns out it's in his bag. (laughs) Yeah, he's got it in his bag. Yeah, it was the kind of thing where I was like, my particular commute, it was like rolling a die and if I get anything higher than a three, I'm going to see someone racist to an Asian person today. Like, mm. that was that was my commute. Yeah, Asian hate was getting real big at the time. Yeah, a lot of it going around. Uh, so I would see that on my way uh, a lot. A lot of panhandlers. And then also the same mariachi band on my way home every day. And that's just delightful. Well, it would, Again, I... St- I've said it before on this podcast, but this one guy every fucking day would show up with his clarinet and play a shit ton of Dave Brubeck. Hell yeah. I didn't want to fucking hear it. I don't need to hear take five again, dude. (laughs) It's great that you know how to play it. I heard it all through high school. And uh, don't be wrong. You're way better than any of those people who played clarinet at Spalding High School because I was all like. (laughs) And, you know, he was very good. But after the fourth time I was sitting there. And I'd be like, it's a smart thing when you get on the train after you've been riding it for a long time to know the closer you sit to the exit, sometimes the better because some shit could happen and it's just easy for you to just stand the fuck up and turn and you're off like that's and he would just walk right in, though. The the panhandlers and the musicians would also inconveniently step right into that space, though, and you'd just be right fucking there with them, (laughs) just like three feet. And they're just going to blast that clarinet right into your goddamn face. And sometimes, after eight hours of dealing with Karen at your work, a real person. Sick. Um, you didn't want to hear Dave Brubeck. Didn't want to hear it again. That was the hardest thing because you got an hour fucking commute. So you're going to hear that. You're going to hear the guys who are going to come through about how to feed a home, how to feed the homeless, and if anyone there is homeless. Those guys were pretty cool. There's like three or four of them. They all talk in unison. They're a little too religious for my liking. Uh, you're going to get the, the mariachi band. Then you're also going to get the uh, five to six people who go every single cart up and panhandle the whole way. The salesmen. Those are my favorite, the sales pitches. Because it's a bunch of different things. It's, it's Shark Tank for crazy people. They go walking through the tube, and they're like, excuse me, everybody. First of all, yes, it is possible to have both types of diabetes at the same time. Glad you asked. Now, let me tell you a little bit about my sister. It turns out she's not actually my sister, but we both came from the same sperm donor who happened to be a doctor in the town who was just inseminating all of his patients. Anyway, how do you lose your foot? Like, they... Yeah. Long story short, I need a kidney. Anything you can give me to help. We've already got a donor lined up, but turns out he needs $250. Boy, doesn't that sound convenient? Anything will do. They just they just spin these yarns for you. And they're all like they've put in so much into their tragic backstory. My favorite trails. You stand at the more front of the cars and sometimes you'll get the panhandler by the time he gets to your car. He's not even asking for money. He's just yelling at strangers now because the last four or five cars didn't go well for him, and he expects your car to be the same, so he comes through going, yeah, I was looking for money, but fuck you, motherfuckers. This is the... Fuck this city. Fuck you, people. And he just is bulleting through your car to get to the next car to also yell at them. See, and I would give that guy money if I saw that. Well, yeah, we did see him once. uh, We saw a guy very much like that once when you were helping me move a TV. Oh, and yeah. I had to move it on the subway. And we, because of its size, had to stand in a very inconvenient spot. So every panhandler who came through had to come through the area where the two guys are lugging a big-ass TV. Where we went, nope, sorry, don't got any money for you. Don't mind the television. You can have it if you want. It yeah. was free. It was free and it was very heavy. I gave that to my it roommate, Jim. stabs Jim. you. Yeah. It was, it was a good time. So... Life in the big city. Life in the <laughs> life in the big city. Let's get some Popeyes. God, I miss Popeyes. Woof. What time is it? Oh, uh, we're sitting at about fifty-eight ish. Fifty-eight. Yeah, good enough for you. Call that requirements oh, fulfilled boy. for another week. I don't know about you. Well, fuck it. He says. Uh, I'm. R- I'm when, r- when you were a child. Yeah, go on. <laughs> I don't. I don't have anything else. <laughs> Where's your favorite place to ice skate? Oh, definitely the outdoor skating rink by the sewage treatment plant. Yeah. It was a beautiful, lustrous green. <laughs> Which is a real thing for anyone that listens to the show that's not from Gay Berry. What a beautiful, what a beautiful place. It wasn't actually green. 
all the time all the time yeah not every year yeah dude i'm just like i'm gassed i don't know it's been happening a lot lately i wonder if i have mono or maybe you're dying do you ever have mono I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe I just got like extra puffy for a couple of weeks and didn't notice. Again, I did live in in like Boston and New York where it was like you got to work. <laughs> so I kind of feel like shit, but I'm probably still going in. My lymph nodes are huge, but well, here we go. I'm just going to sweat this one out today. Yeah. And there's like, "Wow, Rory, you look great. Thanks, it's a new diet." <laughs> See, I always really wanted mono because it was called the kissing disease. Oh, you wanted to feel popular? Yeah, I was like, oh, if everyone knows you got mono and it's called the kissing disease, they're definitely going to know you get action. I got this but from sucking on a spoon. <laughs> get that shit from Velveeta and Shells. I wasn't getting it. Yep. No. So, uh, yeah, maybe yes, I childhood, just dying. Yes, childhood was rough. You're right. <laughs> childhood was a magical nightmare. Yep. It provides so much fuel. It built character. Yeah. I feel like a well-rounded adult as a result of all the trauma I experienced yeah, as a child. I, I, fun episodes like this that make me wonder why I keep every person that I date at arm's length. It's so fun. <laughs> I, know, I guess we'll never know. I know. I'll just never figure it out. Do you have anything you want to plug before we tap out? Let's plug trust issues, everybody. <laughs> all right. No. You. Oh, that would be amazing if you did like a, <laughs> a TED Talk type seminar about trust issues. Everybody, let's all talk about my eighth birthday. <laughs> First of all, you never see it coming when it's your mom who betrays you. Yeah. Turns out not a lot of people are his VP. And a lot of people were invited. So we went bowling. And that's how this finger looks like this. And you're like, oh, oh, God. Jesus. We can do this. All right. Uh, yeah. So you want to uh, wanna dump out? Yeah. Fuck it. All right. All right. Fuck them. And fuck all of you. Because uh, as we always like to say here on the show, thank you. Go fuck yourselves. And goodbye. Goodbye.